I suspect we're going to really like the guest that we're going to be interviewing today. You know that? Yeah, I think our guests are really going to like this one. So who's it going to be, Angie? Well, we're going to be speaking with Debbie Dekleva, and she is leading the charge on saving monarch butterflies and their habitat. Butterflies, I think they're uh, really a true gift from nature. Oh, yeah. Yeah. everyone, and here we are, celebrating what people love to do creatively by giving them a voice. I'm Rod Jones. And I'm Angie Jones. Welcome to the Thought Road Podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen, and our episodes are always absolutely free to listen to. You can go to thoughtrobepodcast.com and listen to current and past episodes directly on our website. Well, considering who I know our guest is going to be, yes, I suspect, I somehow suspect that your quote is going to have to do with butterflies. And you are absolutely <laughs> right. Ding, 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 Rod, because I try to, you know, go with the theme of what we're talking about. So it really gives you a nice experience. But I have to admit, on this particular quote, I couldn't decide between the two. So I had to pick two this time, so you get to hear two quotes. Good. Yeah. So here is the first one. Butterflies can't see their wings. They can't see how truly beautiful they are. But everyone else can. People are like that as well. And that quote is by Naya Riviera. And here's my other one. There is nothing in a caterpillar that tells you it's going to be a butterfly. And that is by Buckminster R. Fuller. You know, I certainly know who Buckminster R. Fuller is, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm really not sure who Naya Riviera. I think her last name is Riviera, yeah. Okay. But um, she was the gal that was on Glee. It was a series on TV. And wow, what a talent. Singer, dancer, um, actress. I, you couldn't get any more talent in one person. She was fantastic. Well, she certainly had a beautiful quote there. Mm -hmm. and, and I like the fact that butterflies can't see who they are. That's, that's kind of clever. That's Isn't very it, though? Well it really is. And I think that really applies to everybody else. Sometimes you can't see your own beauty because you're, you're busy criticizing yourself or correcting yourself. So it really, I think it really applies to a lot of people. Yeah, and Buckminster Fuller... Um, Mm -hmm. American architect, system theorist, whatever that is, there, author, yeah. mm -hmm. designer, inventor, and a futurist. And I, I kind of think his, his quote's very interesting because basically he built some pretty incredible architecture, designed some pretty incredible mm -hmm. architecture. And in essence, you just take in a pile of wood and maybe some concrete, whatever, mm -hmm. which looks like not a whole lot. And then all of a sudden turning it into a remarkable piece of architecture. Yeah. So it's uh, like it's like when you're a caterpillar, things yeah. don't look so maybe beautiful or together. And by the time it's evolved, you've turned it into a butterfly and a thing of beauty. Yeah. Both of those are very good quotes. Yeah, I'm, glad I'm glad you, you selected those. Uh, and especially, it seems to go well with 
who our guest is, or what right we're on. going to be discussing with our guest. Right on. But now it's time for your turn, Rod. Rod's motivational moments, and you're on. <laughs> well, as I'm certainly not the first person to ever say this, but here we go. Don't dump a bunch of positive thinking on someone who is truly having a problem. And I think a little sympathy and understanding can help more than all of the positivity you try to present to them. Boy, isn't that the truth? Especially, I don't know, if you look at social media and and people are posting incessantly about positivity. I mean, I do sometimes, too, because it feels like it's a good good you know statement or quote or something and to be helpful to others you post it but some people are just really over positive i think well i the the, the unfortunate part of that is if somebody is actually having a rough time yeah. and you're just saying oh well just think positive it'll go away well that that's, that's almost that's, insulting don't you well, think really it's not going to help them no i it's don't not. think anyway Sometimes you just need to be a little bit understanding mm -hmm. of what the person is going through and be a good listener. I think that helps people more than anything else. Sometimes people just need to express their feelings mm -hmm. and they don't need you, me, anyone sitting there saying, oh, no, it'll go away. Just think positive. It's You're just not yeah, thinking positive not case, and, you know? and all this other stuff. That's not the case. And you know what? Sometimes you need to get it out, verbalize it. And then maybe you you it kind of like diffuses it a little bit so you can have a better thought process. So, you know, getting out the negative and talking about it with someone that's got a sympathetic ear that's not telling you to be positive or you need to look on the bright side. I think it's a really valuable thing. Yeah, looking on the bright side is a, a, a comment that people typically make. And and you know why people do that sometimes? I think the reason why I do why? it, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> what, you got too many of your own issues no, to deal I, yeah, with? I don't yeah. want to hear somebody else's <laughs> issues. I don't want to, you know, if you're having a rough time, think positive. Mm -hmm. And by the way, listen to what I have to say. <laughs> right, right. But no, it's it's good to, yeah, it's, you need to not be a, invalidate somebody's feelings absolutely. like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't do that. It's not a good thing. Right. But let's hear from our sponsors or our sponsor, which would be us. I was going to say, what sponsor are you talking about? <laughs> But um, I, I would be happy to talk about our creative journal. I think it's going to be extremely useful for really anyone. And our journal is called All Your Thoughts in a Row Creative Journal. And it's available on our website at thoughtrowpodcast.com. Right there on the home page. Scroll down a tiny bit and you will see it right there. You can click on it and get all the details. And uh, it's really it was super handy yeah, thing to have. It really is. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking it's a great way to wind down this crummy year. That's yeah, been uh, interesting, huh? It, yeah. And it's <laughs> uh, it could be or is actually a great gift item. Yeah. Item. Item. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we have worldwide shipping. That is true. And it's perfect for anyone who wants to think more creatively in any occasion. It can be a birthday office gift. Mother's Day, Father's Day, you can fill in the blank. And any holiday, when you don't know what to buy for someone, this is the perfect gift. Okay, so now it's time to leave our sponsors and get back to our programming. <laughs> get back to our show. Yes. Okay. And I would like to make a comment about uh, some of the beauty in nature that we all experience. Okay, so what would that be for you, Rod? Nature's rejuvenating effect on one's spirit and soul. Oh, my 
That sounded so lyrical and beautiful. You know, it, it reminds me of um, recently one of my poems and one of my artworks of a tree, which ties into the nature, is in a museum book. So I'm kind of excited about that. So I wanted to mention it. Yes, uh, it was. it's uh, definitely a poem to remember. Mm -hmm. And it was included in a book on trees published by the Sassy Museum of Art. Mm -hmm. And you can check it out on their website, sassyartmuseum.org, or you can Google Sassy Art Museum. It's S-A-S-S-E. Check it out. And then also you have an opportunity to read Inji's poem. Oh, now, how do you say that? I can't say it all fancy like you. Poem? I'm not so sure it's, it's such a fancy wait, way to say it. Wait, let me try it. Say it again. Poem. Poem. <laughs> no, not it's not the same thing. Oh, my gosh. On my side of the tracks, it's called poem. Po- poem. Poem. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of poets out there cringy when they hear me say it I that don't way. know. It sounds really fancy when you say it, but like I just say it regular. Well, there is a history to it, and I'm not 100% sure what that is, but... I don't know. Well, if somebody knows, please make a comment on our website because you can and let us know because I can't say it that way, but it sounds super fancy. Is there some some way to to uh, des- describe it or where did it come from to say it quite that way? It came out of Rod's mouth and it's poem. No, I've heard other people say it too and I could never say it, but hey, cool. So, okay, and now it's going to be time for guest Debbie Deckleva, and we will learn about butterflies, and I know it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, kind of a follow-up on our discussion and your wonderful quotes. Yeah, exactly. Hi, Debbie, and thank you for joining us. Today, we're going to be discussing the monarch butterfly, and you just happen to be the perfect person to chat with. Yes, absolutely. Hi, Debbie. Nothing can be more beautiful than a butterfly, right? And your career has been all about saving the monarch. So tell, yeah, so excited. Yeah, well, I'm so excited to be here with you guys, Rod and Inchi. I'm going to admire your show and just really look forward to digging in with you. Well, well thank, thank you. you. And we want everybody to know that that was not a plug. No, a we didn't make endorsement. her say that. We did not make her say that. <laughs> You're very kind. But Angie, lay on our, okay, our um, heavy duty question. Our really of the day. hard question. What did you have for breakfast today, Debbie? So I had um, peach chipotle salsa. Uh-huh. And spinach with a scrambled egg. Like I put it all together. That's so healthy, but it's delicious. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. Yeah. The peach chipotle. That's uh, that sounds really good. That sounds really good. Yum. Yeah. So I I have found that my day starts better with protein. Okay. Oh, sure. So egg and veggies are a good. You know, with a little bit of sweetness, um, helps my day. Start well. well, what a great day, way to start your day. That's delicious and healthy, so you can't go wrong with that. <laughs> well, with a breakfast, right. with a great breakfast like that, yeah. why don't you tell us where you are originally from and maybe a little bit about your childhood? But where are you originally from, Debbie? So I grew up um, in a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio, and um, it was called it's called Bay Village. It's on the west side mm-hmm. of Cleveland, and it was a great place to grow up. 
Um, we had a woods in the back of our yard oh, nice. and a creek that was behind our, our backyard too. And, uh, yeah, so my childhood was a lot of outside play and, that's the best. That's the best. It really sounds, del- sounds perfect, especially having a little creek or crick in yeah. your backyard. So you could. Uh, and Ohio's catch, like that. I mean, Ohio is nice. I grew up in Ohio, so I, I totally understand. Yeah, there's a sweetness there that I think uh, maybe in some other states you don't experience as much. I don't know. Maybe I'm just prejudiced like you are, where it's just sweet memories. Well, that's a good start considering how you move forward with your career because yeah. you had a inner Introduction to nature. What what do you think your favorite childhood memory is? So the backyard was awesome, uh, <laughs> and we had these um, trails we cut through. We'd like ride our bikes through them and all these different things. But our favorite thing to do was to take buckets of water from the creek and throw it up on this slope. And mudslide. Oh, <laughs> wow. So we would mudslide. And one time I had my best friend come over and we um, slid down this muddy hill. And she was an only child. And when her parents came to pick her up, <laughs> like the their faces were dust. <laughs> What happened so, to you, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we got hosed down and... You know, we didn't warn the parents that maybe an extra change of clothes would be a good idea. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think she wore some of my clothes home. But what it a sounds fun, like what a fun, fun memory. Yeah, what a fun thing to do. Now, did you guys catch frogs since you had the creek there? I know Ohio has a lot of frogs. Yeah, you know, our big thing was we ca- caught crawdads. Oh, okay. We lift up the the rocks and catch the crawdads and. So I don't remember catching frogs. Maybe they were a little fast for me. Maybe, (laughs) but there's certain creeks and and, and lakes and stuff that don't have it, and the others are just teeming with it. So I guess you had the crawdads. Very cool. We had tons of crawdads, and the cool thing about our creek is we could actually do a creek walk all the way to Lake Erie. Oh, that's really really cool. Yeah, so those were some really great memories, too, because we would... You know, whenever we'd get permission, mm-hmm. we'd be able to do that. Otherwise, we had to kind of stay within the confines of our, right, of right. our backyard, which was pretty, you know, good size and out of sight anyway. So we could be total kids and not bug my mother. Fun, <laughs> fun memories, fun <laughs> memories. Right. Totally. Yeah. Now, you know, I want to get back to talking about um, the monarch butterfly, which is what we're going to speak to you about today. And we assume most people know what a monarch butterfly is, but just in case they they don't, could you describe them for our listeners and where they usually live and any other thoughts you have about them? Yeah, so monarch butterflies are probably one of the most recognizable butterflies in North America. They um, live in every single state in the United States. Okay. They uh, actually um, migrate from Mexico to Canada. And so they are, you know, full North America residents. Oh, okay. <laughs> and. Yeah, yeah. So there's actually two populations. One is uh, the Western population in California, mm-hmm. where you guys are. Mm-hmm. 
And then the other population is this one that migrates from, uh, it's the eastern population, and they kind of divide it by the Rocky Mountains. But the eastern population goes from Mexico to Canada and then back again. It's you know, one of the most iconic hmm. uh, migrations. Wow. Uh, Debbie, are they found in any other part of the world? Actually, they are. Um, and they always migrate, which is really interesting. Uh, they're native to North America, but they have found their way to places like New Zealand. Oh, really? And, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So as long as there is milkweed, which is their host plant, um, monarchs can be there. So they, they even in New Zealand, they still uh, have a migratory pattern? They do. And is that seasonal? It is. Yep. Hmm. Yep. So their main source of, of food is milkweed. Yeah, we're going to be discussing that yeah. as we move forward. So in their migration, they um, do they leave their summer home to their winter home or their winter home to their summer home? Yeah, the other really interesting thing about the monarch migration is it takes about four to six generations uh, to complete the cycle. So the monarchs that are actually on their way to Mexico right now mm -hmm. um, have never been there before. Oh, really? And then when they leave, it will be like their great, great grand, you know, really? butterflies. That's that so interesting. Mexico. Yeah, we, yeah. we because because they're so little and they're so, they look so fragile. It's like, how do they go all that way? You know. But so when one yeah. so when a monarch butterfly takes off from Mexico, whatever generation he is, he or she, mm -hmm. uh, they're gonna land in sunny California. Mm -hmm. How many months later then, or weeks, or whatever? Well, so the two migrations are actually separate. It's a different population. So. Mm -hmm. Even though you know biologically they're the same, um, the western states like Oregon and mm -hmm. um, Seattle, you know, the or Washington rather, yeah, um, Montana, you know, the western states are the milkweed areas that support the California migration, hmm. and then in the eastern migration, they leave Mexico. They'll go to Texas, and that's when the first um, generation starts the migration. And it's almost like a leapfrog pattern um, with, you know, eggs being deposited on milkweed, and then they eat the milkweed, and then they the, that next generation goes on. And it almost leapfrogs off, you know, over each other mm -hmm. um, all the way to Mexico or all the way to Canada, and then... The super generation will fly all the way back to Mexico on that eastern migration. No kidding. The, the, that so is they, so the super generation makes the long flight, mm -hmm. but like you said, leapfrog. So each generation, they stop in uh, Texas, for example, and mm -hmm. while, then while they're in Texas, they uh, there's a new generation born. Is that right? Yes. God, that's amazing. Yep. And then the second generation will, you know, 
stopping. Yeah, yeah we, and, uh, yeah. and then just keep going. Yeah, we um, think we think yeah. that if because we'll we'll go outside and then monarch butterflies start flying around here, yeah. and they're really beautiful, and uh, it's pretty amazing that I think we just always assume that if we see a monarch butterfly, mm-hmm. oh, you just came up here from Mexico or wherever, but apparently they're coming from Texas. Yeah, um, and and in California, they're actually coming from Nevada, Idaho. Montana. Oh, okay. That is very interesting that they they are I love the way they're leapfrogging and then they also have the the old generation that's like leading the pack basically. The, yeah, there yeah. Are, there are a lot of species of butterflies. What makes the monarch? I mean, we know they're really beautiful. We know that they're a, a tremendous gift from nature. Mm-hmm. But what what makes them so highly recognizable? Yeah, the bright orange color and the black color are one of, you know, it's like a flash of orange and black that go by. They don't try to hide themselves. Like a lot of butterflies actually are camouflaged or Mm -hmm. when they close their wings, they look like big owl eyes that are going to, you know, like I'm this big predator. Uh Like monarchs, they're like, we're not hiding. We're out here. We're fancy. We're orange. And the orange color actually indicates to predators that, hey, I'm poisonous. If you eat me, it's going to be trouble for you. And so they don't try to hide like the other Hmm. um, butterflies. Uh, So so they are poisonous? Are they poisonous? Yeah. To other predators. Yeah. 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 They're um, what they and what they'll do is actually make the birds or Mm-hmm. Whatever's trying to eat them, throw up. Oh, well, that's a good way not to get eaten. Well, you know, you never right? see birds chasing them no, around they don't. Where, where you you do other insects. Uh-huh. That's very yeah. true. So pretty smart yeah. butterflies, aren't they? they? Well, it's a great way to protect yourself. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, right? pretty smart people. Yeah, so they don't have to try too many of those before they're like, stay away from that. It's true. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's disgusting. Well, and, and animals learn historically even from each other. So right. a, a mama bird is going to tell their baby birds, don't do this. Yeah, don't eat that. Right. Exactly. There's a lot of food out here. Don't choose that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, when did you first become interested in helping protect the monarch habitat? So um, it's really interesting. My dad was a patent attorney Mm -hmm. for Standard Oil of Ohio, and he... um, started a new job that actually had to do with milkweed um, and that was new ventures and they were trying to make a biofuel out of milkweed. And so when they were doing all this research at um, Standard Oil of Ohio, uh, he, he, we call it getting bitten by the milkweed bug because it's like, it's such an interesting plant, Mm -hmm. so many different uses for it, but he, um, really became enamored with it and he introduced me to it. Um, British Petroleum actually had a takeover of Ohio. Mm-hmm. And so if the things that people were working on didn't have to do with petroleum, they eliminated it. And so my dad purchased the milkweed venture that he was working on with um, Standard Oil and brought it 
to his home office. I'm actually sitting at his desk from oh, where nice. we lived in in Bay Village, and uh, he um, was like, "We can do this." <laughs> yeah, so we went from this, or he went from this huge um, business with, you know, I think they had $600 million that they didn't know what to do with, that they needed to do research and development with, yeah. to his home office in our house and um, his life savings. <laughs> so it was quite a change. That is a big change imagine. for him, yes. My goodness, but he so, was doing something that he felt passionate about, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he felt passionate about it. It's really interesting because I uh, fell in love with the milkweed plant because you know, he's telling me, like, oh, you can do this with it. You can do it this with it. You know, you can make insulation out of it. You can make paper out of it. You mm-hmm. can do all these different things. And so I got super interested. Um, I was his first employee and I uh, was his secretary. and you filed all these papers and it was a bunch of things that, you know, are like possibilities, which mm-hmm. I always love. You know, I know you guys are all about creativity and so Absolutely. ideas and possibilities. Those are things that really speak to me. Mm-hmm. And so um, it wasn't until after I started working with the milkweed plant where I'm like, wait a minute, what this modern butterfly is here. You know, (laughs) it was just like such a reversal from what people normally people go, oh, the monarch. And then you have to have milkweed for the monarch. And mine was like, oh, the milkweed plant. Like, oh, wow, this is a really cool monarch butterfly. (laughs) And so it was kind of a. That's kind of in reverse. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think most people realize that the milkweed and the. the potential there for well, so the many potential things. for milkweed, and but also how the monarch butterfly and milkweed live need each other to they survive, right? Other. Well, the, maybe not the milkweed, but the monarch certainly does. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a symbiotic relationship. So they do rely on each other. Um, obviously, the monarch butterfly is a great pollinator for the milkweed, but um, it does get pollination services from other pollinators as well, which, you know, it is a really, but the, the monarch butterfly will not survive without the milkweed. That is, there's something called a specialist butterfly. So um, the monarch butterfly only will lay eggs on milkweed plants. Oh, that's so interesting. Wow. I want to go back to the milkweed just for a second, and that's kind of exciting that you got to work with your father. Yes. I know I really enjoy it when uh, our daughter gets to work with us. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, it's always the parent-child, but then before long, the child becomes smarter than the parent. <laughs> and um, and I, that you probably uh, learned an awful lot from your uh, dad, but then you probably, like you said, you're being very creative and you're being innovative mm-hmm. and dreaming up other things to do uh, with milkweed. Is there one one special, special use of milkweed that that you think is very unique? Oh, there's so many. Uh, I'm limited to one. <laughs> well, you, can, one you, thing. you can do two if you if there's two <laughs> yeah, right? right at the top yeah. of the list. Yeah, you could even so, go. You could even go to three. three. You could start with uh, 
my right. pillow, you know, the pillow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, we actually started doing pillows and comforters. Um, you know, one of the challenges of starting your own business um, on a shoestring mm-hmm. budget yeah. is you know, being able to make enough money to stay in business. And so what he did, which yeah, at the time I'm like, this is a horrible idea. You know, I'm 16. So I'm telling him that um, he started a down company, Ogallala Comfort, and uh, we used 30% milkweed fiber and 70% goose down and sold to the luxury bedding market. So it um, is pillows and comforters. When you say my pillow, it's like, yeah, we did that. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've sold pillows and, but it is that business that, um, you know, it's low volume and high value and was able to keep us in business and, you know, helps us explore these other possibilities. One of which I'm, I'm really excited about. It's, a um, insulation that is made out of 80% milkweed fiber and then a 20% binder. And it can be, it actually outperforms a lot of, um, ins- well, actually all the insulations, you know, weight Tra- per weight. Certain traditional uh, that's insulation. That's on the market. Yeah. That sounds really great because you're not doing things with synthetic um, well, chemicals. Uh, yeah, that but is it also so probably, great. I mean, when you handle installation, yeah. A, it can really irritate your yeah, forearms because be I've done it. Mm-hmm. And the other part is you have to wear, you should be wearing a mask when you start moving that stuff around. Right. I don't know if that's true with the uh, milkweed. Yeah, I mean, you never want to have fibers in your lungs. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if they're not, but you know this insulation we're actually hoping to get into sustainable fashion mm-hmm. and um have it be in like outerwear coats jackets oh that's and, really wild yeah you know gloves and things like that and this is actually a project that's finally coming to fruition after my dad had already done work like this mm-hmm. 30 years prior um at Standard Oil of Ohio. Mm-hmm. But when we, um, when he purchased it, the company that he was working with was like, Herb, we're really glad that you're continuing this dream, but yeah. we are not going to believe that you're going to be able to support us in the same way, you know, yeah, Ohio was. So understood. it's something that, you know, 30 years later, we're finally getting back to um, this next level use where mm-hmm. it's still going to be a high value. Um, well, it seems you know, like you guys to be higher volume too. So, yeah, but it seems like you guys were kind of ahead of your times because 30 years ago, I don't know that people were so aware and so um, concerned about using more natural things. They were, I think into really synthetic things. So now your, your time is here you for know, doing things like are, that positioned mm-hmm. in such a way that it's so exciting because people have finally caught up to the vision. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, back, back then, synthetics were all the rage and all the chemical companies were pushing them, right? Yeah, they that really was, were. And they, right. had, and they had the big advertising budget so they uh, could convince mm-hmm. consumers that this was the way to go. It was like aluminum 
cookware and Tupperware, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, right. So uh, uh, getting back to the butterfly for a minute or more, uh, are, monarch, are monarch butterflies a protected species? So in 2020, uh, December, they were precluded from going onto the endangered species because there were, um, they said it's, it's something that could certainly happen and the number, the population has dropped enough that it's warranted, mm-hmm. but there are higher um, priority species yeah. that they were going to do it. Because, you know, even though you think, well, you know, the habitat is being destroyed, all these different things are happening, it should be on the endangered species list, but um, they can't do everything. And so mm-hmm. they're really looking at um, energy companies and uh, farming communities and yeah. um, you know, the Department of Transport, the roadways, to really help bolster that habitat so they don't have to be put on the endangered species list. So they're really hoping that you know, the general public and people with land catch the vision that, hey, if you don't do something to reverse this problem of the population collapse, then they will be put on the endangered species list. And that means you're going to be highly regulated. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And well, if you plant milkweed, you're it should you're help doing with that, right? Monarch butterfly, the best possible favor, mm-hmm. correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And you want to plant milkweed that is native to your area. So that's something I always love to, when people are talking monarch butterflies, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the milkweed in Nebraska isn't the milkweed for California. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm gonna, sure not. We're going to ask you a question about that in a little bit. So what is your question? Well, my question is, um, share with us what Sustainable Monarch is all about. So Sustainable Monarch, I started that. um, And basically, we took the um, nonprofit activities we were doing as a business and moved them to an actual nonprofit. Because education is critical. Because so many people don't know that there is a milkweed monarch connection. So educating people on that and then also uh, community development Mm -hmm. and rural communities specifically where there is milkweed um, are really hurting financially, economically. And so uh, we work with communities to bolster their economies by Mm -hmm. picking milkweed and we pay for that. So it's, you know, trying to get as many wins as possible, you Mm -hmm. know, a win for the monarch, a win for the people, a win for the environment. And so um, that's what Sustainable Monarch's mission is, is to create a value stream uh, for monarch habitat that is filled with biodiversity because monarchs actually do need more than milkweed. Um, they need nectar plants, like especially during this fall migration. Yeah, the milkweed is already, you know, it's gone, and they they don't need the leaves anymore for, um, you know, they're not going to be having 
caterpillars Mm -hmm. anymore because the leaves just won't support them, but they do need to fuel the adults. So, you know, those late nectaring Mm -hmm. plants Mm -hmm. um, are important for the adults. And even as they're migrating in the spring, they need um, flowers that are coming up every month or every two weeks Mm -hmm. that are new nectar sources for the adults because if the milkweed isn't in flower, they need a, a you know, fuel source. You know, they need to eat something. Yeah. Right. They need and something they else can, to eat. Yeah. They can eat any kind of, you know, nectar mm-hmm. from whatever plants are out there. So that kind of leads me to my question is, um, we live, we live up in the mountains and we're up about five, 6,000 feet mm-hmm. and we see the butterflies seasonally they come in as far as i know there's no milkweed growing anywhere around here we do there are a lot of people that have uh, flowers planted in their front yards that are very seasonal and i think when we generally see them they're hanging around those areas so is that where they're getting their food source yeah so there's probably more milkweed in your area than you're thinking that they are because if there is no milkweed the monarchs won't stay for very long uh-huh. well then we um, must have milkweed yeah, around here we do we have people yeah. that plant um gardens specifically for butterflies and hummingbirds and bees up here because you know mm-hmm. we're they seem to be a little bit more in tune than just making it a, a pretty garden they, they want to feed nature, so it's kind of cool to see when people can adapt to that. I'm glad you see it because I don't really I do. See I it. look. I look. I just watch the butterflies. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm mesmerized by watching them, and I, I can't Well, I go notice the plants because it's like they're feeding on them. They come every day. They have their little routine, and they yeah. will just sit there and eat like they have their stops. They're very, they're very cool. So where does a monarch butterfly go at night? Oh, where do they sleep? They will usually roost in trees. Huh. They prefer um, evergreens if they're available. Well, we're surrounded by evergreens. We have a lot. (laughs) They have a lot to choose from. So if I go out there at night with a flashlight, I'm going to see them sitting there? It's possible if that's where where they're hanging out in your area. You know, a lot of times um, until they start migrating... You don't see them in clumps, but, um, you know, and I mean migrating back to Mexico or migrating back to the California overwintering sites. Mm -hmm. So you don't um, necessarily see them in groups until they're migrating for their Mm -hmm. super generation. If we're, Debbie, if we're seeing them in our area um, and they're here, they seem to be here for a while. Um, what do, when do they, when do they decide to leave? Are they just in this area? Are they moving? Are they traveling further north or where are they going after they hit our mountains? I wish I had a map of where you are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so they are going to like Santa Cruz or San Luis Obispo. Lucky butterfly. Okay, so that, that's interesting. Yeah, so they're normally hmm. in California. They're headed to the coast. Okay, so they just go up the coastline then. Okay, that I makes sense. It's well, 
It's they nice can over get, there. Yeah, they can get water probably too or more plants because the further inland you go in California, it's very dry. Right. Yeah. We have drought mm-hmm. anyway. So it makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, so my question is, is considering what's going on in the world today with, um, you know, drought and things like that, how are the monarch butterflies surviving? How are they able to, you know, find the areas? And you kind of answered it with, you know, they're going up the coastline, which obviously there's more moisture there for them. Is there any, like, have you seen any deviation from what they're doing or are they just continuing on their path? Well, people were really concerned last year, Um, specifically those uh, communities in California. There were overwintering spots that had less than a thousand. Um, And that's down from like millions. So it was panic um, in California last year. And the Mexico migration wasn't that great either, but it wasn't, you know, to the point where it just makes your heart drop. Mm. Uh, so this year they, they do a Thanksgiving count, which obviously is coming up soon, Yeah, but, uh, so they do this Thanksgiving count and the preliminary counts are, I saw a report yesterday that mm-hmm. said there's 50,000 at a, one of the, one of the places. Yeah. And so it's like, wow, that's so much better. Um, Thank you goodness. Know, the official counts, yeah, so the official counts aren't um, out until Thanksgiving, but preliminary, it looks a lot less heart-wrenching. Yeah, it's moving, it's certainly <laughs> um, moving in the right direction. Thank God, yeah. Yeah, but when you look at it down from millions, Mm-hmm. Um, still not a lot. It's pretty, yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. However, people have rallied. They have been protecting their milkweed stands. They have been planting milkweed. And they have also recognized that these butterflies need other food sources like these nectar plants that we were talking about. So instead of, because you can't just plant milkweed and milkweed actually likes to grow within biodiversity anyway. Mm-hmm. So it grows better um, being surrounded by other plants as well. That actually is part of my next question. Yeah, that was oh. relating to, but no, that no, was good. I mean, I, now I don't have to ask it, but basically it's a critical uh, food source. source of food yeah. for the monarch butterfly. Is there, is there any other insect that hangs around Milkweed. Milkweed. Yeah. Yeah. So milkweed has this whole ecosystem of its own. <laughs> there are actually milkweed bugs. Super creative name. Milkweed bugs. <laughs> <laughs> milkweed bugs. And <laughs> um, the, they're all over the the plants, and yeah, they also are you know these distasteful bugs. Um, they are really susceptible to aphids, which Mm. um, is Mm. one of the food sources of ladybugs. So, of course, the ladybugs come in and eat the aphids. Um, So So it's one big happy feast. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. There's uh, all kinds of. Yeah, Debbie, how how did milkweed, why is milkweed called milkweed? So when you... When you take a um, leaf or something off of the plant, 
it will like bleed a milky sap. Oh, okay. okay. Interesting. In fact, you know, back in the day, and this goes to you know other uses for milkweed, mm-hmm. people, farmers would put it on their warts and it got rid of their warts. Really? I wonder if that really well, like works. A, well, you know, I don't like have a, any warts. Yeah, I would try it out, but, but no. like a, a like a lot of plant sources. I mean, a lot of yeah, uh, folk health. They work. They a lot of they things really like do that work. work. I mean, a lot of medicines we use today were derived from plants. So yeah, for that's, sure. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and milkweed. Um, the botanical name for it, the Latin name, is Asclepias, and Asclepius is, it was named by um, Carl Linnaeus in 1753. And Asclepius is the Greek god of healing. Oh, really? Very interesting. Yeah. So it's, and we've actually found, you know, and going back to my father, he's, you know, mad scientist. (laughs) All of his, he's actually a chemist by, or was a chemist by trade. Yeah. But he um, had this arthritic hip and he's like, my hip is killing me. And he um, was like, hey, I put this milkweed oil on my hip and it feels so much better. (laughs) Oh, I wonder. Wow. We do not believe you at all. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And then we started using it on other things, and actually, it works. So it's it's pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah, you know, it's like oliveira. I mean, oliveira has so many uses. It really does. But when you look at the plant in general, you mm-hmm. with the barbs on it, you're thinking, "Yeah, this can't be too good for anything." But yeah, it just looks pl- like it right? would be yeah. not okay no, to use. But plants but... are plants are amazing, and that's kind of interesting to know about uh, milkweed. milkweed. And we invite our listeners to do a little research on it, and you might find that there are all kinds of uses for milkweed that that we're not even discussing or even know about. Probably. Probably, probably. Right, right. There's so many things to continue to learn about and mm-hmm. uncover and discover. It's just, it's really exciting for me. Well, I would have to say that the monarch butterfly, apparently they're not, they're not dumb. <laughs> they, they like it. They, they like, like a good they thing. Must, they must know something because they'll walk around showing off their orange color and not worrying about any predators and mm-hmm. feasting on milkweed. So they got something going on, I think. Yeah, I think for so sure. too. You know, Debbie, we were talking about quotes earlier, and we discovered a quote that seems to be a favorite of yours, and it is. Um, here's the quote. In the end, we will conserve only what we love. We will love only what we understand. And we will understand only what we are taught. Now, tell us where this quote comes from and what it means to you. Yeah, so that is something I actually found at uh, the Henry Dorley Zoo in Omaha. But uh, it comes from Baba Diom, uh-huh. who... Uh, is someone who was born in, I think, 1937. And he was a forester. Uh, But it's just that reconnection with nature. Uh, And, you know, it's obviously he saw an issue um, in, you know, early 40s or Mm -hmm. the 50s and... Back then, we were a lot more connected with nature than we are now. 
And so it just goes to um, inspire me. Like you can't just assume that people know, Mm -hmm. let's say the connection between milkweed and monarchs. People see milkweed and you know, the weed in the name is not that helpful. No. (laughs) For longevity Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, in areas. And so people will try to go out and get it. But once they understand that, you know, this plant is super important to the monarch butterfly. Mm-hmm. Um, it well, is something yeah, that the, they actively conserve. Yeah, they're they're helping nature along. Um, kind of a, uh, looking for a quick answer here. It's my understanding that you can attract monarch butterflies to your own backyard or your front yard, for that matter. Um, how does someone accomplish that? And you'd also yeah, mentioned you just that yeah, just get some milkweed. And you also mentioned earlier, though, that there's certain species of milkweed that are more adaptable in certain areas. Yeah. So if you have, um, you know, anywhere you are, there's a native plant society mm-hmm. in your area. You know, in California, like the California Native Plant Society, Nebraska Native Plant Society, they will tell you what your native plants are and the native plants are important because they're acclimated to your ecosystem you know your climate your rainfall all these different things Mm -hmm. and then it also uh, benefits your local ecology so the pollinators in your area these are the plants that they are used to using you know there's so many hybrids and Mm -hmm. cultivars of native plants that they look pretty for us, but right. they're pretty much useless for the animals and mm-hmm. the insects in our areas. Yeah. So, so pick ones and that they, so, they can actually use instead of just being a decor for your front or backyard is what you're exactly. saying. So yeah. having a functional yeah. area, like you can actually almost establish your own little national park in your backyard. See, that's what we should all do. I like that. I like that a lot. What a great idea. Everybody's happy. So yeah, everyone out there, get yourself something, get your seeds, get your plants that it goes with your area, goes with your animals and your insects so they can actually derive something from it instead of... Yeah, and if you have a local nursery, support them. Yes. Because they will know the native plants in the areas um, mm-hmm. Of course, it's hard for the local nurseries because many of them love native plants. But when people look at them, they're like, but it doesn't look as pretty as this. Right. Yeah. Like, they're not showy. Yeah. They're not showy. Yeah. yeah. They're not as showy. Some of them, you know, some of them are super showy. Mm-hmm. But it's usually, you know, for a certain amount of time. And true. The, but the insects in your area are using them. So true. And so, so true. you want to make it a functional um, thing rather than just for makes sense for our eyes to go. Oh, that's really nice. Makes sense. So the other thing that you want to be on your guard about is um, some of these plants have been treated with neonicotinoids, mm. which is actually a, a poison that oh, no. they inbred into some of these plants that they're selling. Oh, and oh, so that's good to usually know. Usually, that is coming from big box retailers, not from your local greenhouses. Oh my goodness! <clears throat> Definitely something to look out for. Then you don't want to plant something that's going to be bad for all of your 
that, visitors. I've never yeah. heard that before. I haven't and either. Thank you for sharing that yes. because that's yeah, something so that people should look out for. Yeah, it's a systemic thing. So when the, the um, insects go and eat the plant, it will kill them. Mm-hmm. So you're like thinking you're doing it to help them. <laughs> and not really then in the end. Yeah. Well, so, that, yeah, that, it just needs to be not treated Okay. Unfortunately, um, that technology and, is even in our food. So yeah, we have to watch exactly. out for it. Okay, Angie's going to ask you. Oh, okay. I'm going to ask you my question. Our favorite question. Yes, our favorite question. Um, and it, we've been we ask all of our guests, and we love hearing their answers. And that could be if you sit on a park bench and chat with anyone from the past, who would it be? I would love to sit with Boris Berkman, who was the World War II inventor of milkweed life jackets. Oh, okay. that makes sense. What a great idea. Yeah, so he was, a, was an inventor and he spearheaded the milkweed project in World War II that they collected like 15 million pounds of milkweed pods. Mm-hmm. Um, and people went out and collected it. And I'm just like, how did you do that? Like, I'm not even close to that number. That's <laughs> a lot. There was a lot more milkweed back then. <laughs> Apparently. And a lot of more gatherers, I guess, people that gathered it for them. Well, they were supporting. Well, they were very motivated yeah. because of the war. Yeah, yes. supporting the war so effort. So true. I mean, that's, that's yeah. amazing. That was important. To, yeah. Well, that certainly would be yeah. a good person to chat with. Yeah, absolutely. I know. Sometimes hey. I even talk to him now. I'm like, okay, Boris. <laughs> hey, that's a good idea. He what can give you something. Doing? Well, he was, right. uh, he was Throw very. Throw me an idea, please. <laughs> for sure. He's very creative and apparently a very good marketer. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, you know, this is fascinating, Debbie. It, yeah. it, I know we could probably go on for another hour because you're so insightful and knowledgeable in this area. Yeah. And we always like to talk to people that are living creatively. And you certainly are living creatively. And you're mm-hmm. doing a lot of good in this world, which is especially yes, nice. thank you for that. And uh, you do what you can to improve the health and safety of such a remarkable resource like the butterfly. And I'm going to add milkweed. Yeah, definitely. And thank you for sharing your life's passion with the monarch butterfly. And now comes a time when I let all of our listeners know, if you'd like to know more about Debbie, we will have links for her under our show guest tab on thoughtrobepodcast.com so everyone can learn more about her and please connect with her on social media as well. Thank you so much for having me. This has just been delightful. Oh, you're well, welcome. We, we wish we could have talked to you longer because you were so insightful. Yeah, this, so much information. Thank you're, you. I'm gonna, we're going to love sharing this episode. Oh, thank you. Okay. Already. Bye bye. Thank, thank you, you so bye. much. I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I, wishing everyone a great day.